0: Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Ryan Horvat here with you to talk about college football dark horses. And as I mentioned prior to the break, it really does seem like that the same teams over and over and over again are winning the biggest conferences and are constantly making the college football playoff. And Horvey, one of the things that I like to say a lot, and this predates my time here at BetQL Daily, is do not succumb to recency bias so if you look at tcu if you are succumbing to recency bias you might say well tcu shows that just about anybody can make it if they have a stellar season well what tcu did is mighty mighty rare that doesn't happen every year in fact it almost never happens at the same time perhaps there are ways to find dark horses within some of these conferences And to me, to be able to do that, I think the first thing that you need to do is assume in specific leagues that the rest of the conference is going to be a good bit weaker. So like TCU, for instance, in the Big 12, I'm not really sure that any of us anticipated Texas or Oklahoma to really vie for a playoff spot in that particular season. TCU, yes, was a surprise, but I know some of the chatter was about, say, like a K-State making a run. Maybe a Baylor, you know, played in the Sugar Bowl not long before. Someone like that could very well have been in contention. Maybe Oklahoma State because they sometimes uh, put together really good campaigns. Maybe a team from the Pac-12 that's a bit of a dark horse. Utah certainly fits that description. But, horvy when you are looking at dark horses at teams that could potentially win a conference, maybe make the college football playoff, what's your process?
1: Yeah. I mean, you bring up a good point. Like we're we're looking at conferences that are going to be a little bit weaker. Like last season, you know, I was really high on Utah, not only to win the Pac-12, but as a college football dark horse, just because, you know, you look at the rest of the Pac-12 and Utah is just a different team. Like the Pac-12, nobody really plays any defense, a lot of good quarterback play, a lot of weak secondaries. And then you look at Utah every single season. And I think that's Top 10, one of the toughest places to play in the country. And it's really like a Big Ten program. They're tough. They're physical every year. Uh, Winningham has one of the better defensive and offensive lines in the conference. And so I'm looking for teams that I think are really underrated in conferences that I think are maybe a little bit down, a little bit overrated. Like yesterday, we talked about the Big Ten. Everybody's going to talk about Ohio State just because of name. It's Ohio State. And yeah, you have uh, Marvin Harrison coming back, a bunch of skill position players that are going to be great. But the defense is still a question mark, and you lose a lot, man. You lose JSN, you lose CJ Stroud. So maybe a team like Wisconsin runs through one side of the schedule where their toughest game is going to be Iowa at home, you know, and then they get to a big title, Big Ten title game, and they can pull off an upset. But like you said, it's so tough, you know, to look at the board and find the next TCU, right? Because TCU also had a bunch of luck last season, they played a lot of backup quarterbacks. Um, they were in a lot of one score games, a lot of turnover luck. Uh, you look at it, they even lost in the big 12 championship game. We thought, you know, when TCU lost to Kansas state, a lot of us thought there was a shot. They weren't even going to make the playoff and they got in. So they had a lot of luck. So it's tough with the expanded playoff. It's also going to change a little bit, but I usually, that's my process. You know, I look at some conferences where I think a team's being slept on, um, And, you know, maybe the conference is a little bit down. Like in the SEC really quick this season, I actually kind of like Texas A&M, which I never say because I'm not a big Jimbo guy, but Jimbo finally gives up play calling. They bring a bunch of guys back on offense and defense, double-digit starters. And you look at last season, they had their top recruiting class ever. So, you know, that's a team that might catch everybody by surprise in the SEC because Bama's not your typical Alabama team. They don't even know who their starting quarterback is yet going into week one. Georgia's going to be great, but they lose a bunch too. They lose their starting quarterback, Stetson Bennett, a bunch of guys on the defensive side of the ball. So I think that's the way to go about the process.
2: Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be hunting for that big uh, dark horse because they just saw it, but maybe it's going to be something that we're going to see more often. Just because we haven't seen it in the past, we are starting to see more parity across college football, and I would certainly welcome it because I was getting sick and tired of of talking about the list of five teams that are going to be there and which one was going to win the championship, and three or four of them are going to be in the playoff. Uh, No really big surprises. I did want to follow up on Wisconsin, and You mentioned them, and the more I thought about it, I I think that's a really strong play. Uh, First off, process. 10. When you have the two top three favorites are all in the East, why not figure out which team out of the West? At worst, you have the fourth favorite on the board uh, coming out of uh, the conference. And Fickle, great hire. He's got to he put together an undefeated season in the past. We know that. I, You know this as well as anyone, all the time that you spent in Wisconsin covering the Badgers. The, the question with them is always the quarterback. We know that they're going to play defense. We know that they're going to have some halts on that offensive line. But it's always about being able to score enough points. And Fickle brings in Phil Longo, a guy that has um, a good amount of success, North Carolina, Ole Miss. I know we've had this conversation in the past, but I think there are actual reasons to believe that it's going to be a Badgers offense unlike one that we've seen in the past.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I can't wait to see what it looks like, you know, because they want to be more up-tempo, obviously. Like, you think Wisconsin Badgers football, and you still go back to, like, the Ron Dane days, and you're thinking I I formation, quarterback going under center. And you got to remember a couple years ago, everybody was really excited about Graham Mertz because that was their first Mm -hmm. four-star quarterback in forever, and he lit it up week one against Illinois. And then he caught COVID, he had a shoulder injury, and he literally was just never the four-star quarterback that they thought that they were getting. Now he's at Florida. Tanner Mordecai last season, guys, completed, I mean, you know this, had over 65% of his passes through 33 touchdowns. I don't know if he's an NFL quarterback, but he's definitely an upgrade. And like we talked about with Wisconsin, their toughest road games this season, you guys, are Washington State, Illinois, who I think it's going to be a down year, and Minnesota, who – who knows what's going on with that program? I know you guys saw the report with P.J. Fleck. What's going on there? They're going to be favored in all three of those games. They get Ohio State at home in Madison, which if you want to talk about a home field advantage, Camp Randall is one of the toughest places to play still. And then also when they get Ohio State, it could be a potential letdown spot. That's the week after Ohio State plays Penn State. Um, so even if they lose that game, you know, I don't really see another loss on this schedule. Iowa's going to be a little bit tougher because they have better quarterback play coming into this season, um, but that's their biggest game in the West Division. You brought up Luke Fickle. We know what he does, You know, not only recruiting, yeah. but with dudes on the defensive side of the ball, and he has eight starters coming back on that defense, and nobody's talking about Braylon Allen. I think he's a dark horse Heisman candidate. Um, I don't really want a better running back right now, but you look at what he does even after initial contact. I think Wisconsin's kind of a sleeping giant this season, and they had a really bad spring game like we talked about yesterday, so we're getting a pretty good price on their win total just to go over eight and a half wins, but I think they might be a dark horse uh, playoff contender
0: year one for Luke Fickle. Absolutely, and to me, that, that brings up a couple of things. Number one, it includes this idea that Ohio State is going to have a down year, and I think that's really important when looking at dark horses in general is you need to look at a league where everybody is going to take a step back. The elite teams are taking a step back. That's what happened with TCUs at Texas and Oklahoma were not their usual dominant selves, especially when it comes to the Sooners. Uh, You know, you've got a new head coach there. You know, you don't have that same quarterback uh, elite play that we had come to expect with the, the Kyler Murray's of the world, Baker Mayfield's of the world, things like that. So, you have a lot of different factors that you need to point to in terms of finding that particular dark horse, and I think that process is sound when it comes to picking a team like Wisconsin because you have to include that element that Ohio State will be down. A couple of things that I don't like uh, as far as certain things to think about. Number one, I'm probably not as high on Texas A&M, not because they can't have a great team, but because it goes back to this idea of, okay, you need Alabama to be down. You also need LSU to be down. And you have a potential Heisman quarterback in, uh, you know, Jaden Daniels, I believe, uh, for LSU. And so that's going to matter uh, in this scheme. Arkansas with KJ Jefferson, that's also a really frightening team where that offense could very well go off. And not to mention you've got teams in the eastern side of the SEC with a Georgia, with a Tennessee, teams like that. So even if a is really, really talented, they, had, they just have too many hurdles that they have to jump over for me to feel comfortable that they can make the college football playoff. The other thing, too, when we're talking about TCU being a dark horse, I would be careful in that description just because, yeah, I know that they were sort of middling around, you know, seven to eight wins, uh, you know, for a lengthy stretch, but... Go back to 2014 when they made the Peach Bowl and won it. Not long before that, they made the Rose Bowl. They made the Fiesta Bowl in uh, 2010. So definitely this program has had a lot of excellence over the last decade or so. And I think that does matter when you're looking at a a potential dark horse is maybe it's a program that hasn't had recent success like in the last two to three years, but they definitely have had it at some point in our memories, in our lifetime. That's why I think a team like Clemson makes a whole lot of sense because we're not talking about them uh, like we did, say, like when Trevor Lawrence was the quarterback or Deshaun Watson, someone like that. But it wouldn't take too much for Clemson to rise up the ranks in the ACC and, and dominate the rest of the conference to where they can get one of those four spots for me.
1: Yeah, no, and I love Clemson coming into the season, Ed, because everybody's talking about Florida State, which makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. You look at Florida State, and they were great on both sides of the ball. Jordan Travis is back. But the other thing is, Florida State plays a really tough schedule. Like, you know, Notre Dame, I know the win total continues to drop, and they're sitting at eight and a half, but that's really, that's a tough game, obviously. Right off the bat, you opened up with LSU. I think they lose that game week one. Um And I like Clemson. You know, they're kind of a sleeping giant because they haven't been to the college football playoff in a couple years. You upgrade at quarterback. I don't love the wide receiver room, but look at the running back room. Will Shipley's back. That's one of the better defensive lines in the country. And Dabo's upset. He wants to get back, man. And so I think that Clemson's a really good bet. As far as a sleeper, this is a really small play for me. But, like, we talked about Oregon State yesterday. What do you guys think about UCLA? You know, that's a team where they get, they've gotten better every single season since Chip Kelly's taken over. And people laugh when I bring up Chip Kelly, but Chip Kelly's been really good. And then people will bring up what they lose. Okay, you lose DTR, but we think Dante Moore is going to be the week one starter. That's a five-star freshman right there. You lose Zach Charbonnet, but you replace him with Carson Steele, who I think is going to be an absolute stud again this season. He has a pet alligator. He's like one of the best stories in college football. At wide receiver, you lose your top three pass catchers, but you bring in three really good transfers, Kyle Ford from USC, uh, the Sturdivant kid from California. On your offensive line, 126 career starts on your offensive line. And on defense, this is probably Chip Kelly's best defense since he's been at UCLA. Nine starters are back. They were close, if you look at the schedule last year, if you go back, to being an 11-win team last season. They don't play Washington. They don't play Oregon. They do get Utah, USC, and Oregon State on the road. But I like their win total, and I think UCLA is kind of a sleeping giant, maybe a dark horse contender in the Pac-12. Everybody's going to talk about USC. Look at the back half of their schedule, you guys. What if USC has a couple tough losses? Any chance maybe Caleb Williams makes a business decision? He's going to be the number one overall pick. I know he played in that bowl game hurt last year, but that's a different story. He had to come back this season. Maybe he shuts it down. I think Oregon could take a step back. You lose your play caller. You lose Kenny Dillingham. That, that's the same guy that recruited Bo Nix to Oregon. Bo Nix had his best college career last year with him calling plays. Now he's gone, new play caller. I love Washington, but Michael Penix finally stayed healthy last season. What if that doesn't yeah. happen again? You know, I, I think you can make the case for UCLA. I think sometimes when you're looking at win totals or you're looking at future bets in college football, it's like, oh, you know, they lose Stetson Bennett, or oh, UCLA loses DTR. You have to look at who they're bringing in because sometimes you're actually going to upgrade. DTR, he was a hell of a college quarterback. But if you were betting on UCLA every week last season, you know he's kind of also a nightmare. Dante Moore, unfortunately, we didn't get to see him in the spring game. Um, But the hype's there. What if he ends up being a better quarterback? So uh, I do think that you could find some good value if you look at some of these conferences. And I think UCLA might be a good bet. Um, But I completely agree going back at I love, love Clemson this season.
2: Okay. Uh, I, I like the angle there with UCLA. The problem for me is there's so many teams that you have to jump. And you just mentioned Penix with Washington and Oregon yeah. and, and Utah year after year. So that's, that's what worries me. Uh, pathwise, I don't buy into it as much. Uh, you guys just mentioned the ACC and how much you like Clemson. I want to throw a couple of ideas at you and just you know, process-wise. I'm looking for teams. What about North Carolina, the other division – uh, aside from Clemson and Florida State, they're getting all the love. But North Carolina, with a guy that's going to be the number one or number two pick in the nation, sitting at 9-1. to one. And then I was also trying to – the Big 12, like, like, yeah, I'm fine betting a Texas. I think they're going to have a big year, but who's going to be the other team? Is it going to be TCU again? Is it going to be K-State having another good year? I mean, there's value on TCU, but I – I was looking at Texas Tech and what their offense was able to do last year. Defense a problem, but uh, they're the fourth favorite at 11-1. to one. Don't love the – but uh, what do you guys think about Texas Tech or Carolina? Carolina's
1: defense scares me, but they only have four true road games this season, so I'd go Carolina maybe.
0: Yeah, I, I think Clemson runs away with the ACC there. And if you're going with the opposite division, then you still need to be good enough to win that championship game. And I, I just don't right. see it for them. And as far as Texas Tech, I love Joey McGuire. Great guy. Maybe another year, and then I'll take them a little bit more seriously. This is BetQL Daily presented by ben MGM. Coming up next, Sarah Valenzuela from the LA Times shares her thoughts as far as what the Angels are trying to do going forward especially if Shoei Ohtani is not on the trading block. That's right here on the BeckQL Network.
1: We'll be right back.